0: It's time to play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. Of fourth and ten. And here they come. Make pass catch. It's intercepted by Mosley. Down be the to top. Bell breaks tackle. Bell trying to go over touchdown Big return for Crowder. And he's going to go all the way. touchdown out 85 yards. Looking downfield, fires this one and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll
1: hit immediately. He yes. got the handoff. You know what? <laughs> the inator Oh my gosh. Listen. Thank you.
2: From the Vivid Seats Studios. And by the way, you can get yourself up to hundred bucks off your first purchase after you download the Vivid Seats app if you use the promo code Overtime. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet1. And I am joined to talk about the waiver claims, the practice squad, the guys that were last minute cuts to make way for the waiver claims by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course above all of that. A very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. So, Chris, let's start with the fact that I thought there were going to be a lot more waiver claims made by the Jets. They only made four waiver claims.
1: Yeah, they only made four waiver claims. Well, they we should say they only uh, were able to claim four players. They uh, could have placed more claims and not been rewarded those claims. So, uh, there weren't a lot of... Claims. I saw something. I think it was only thirteen teams put in a claim at all. So that you know what's that leave uh, a bunch a bunch more teams. I don't feel like doing math in my head. I'm I told you before uh, before we started recording, my brain's all over the place. So I'm not. Do- I refuse to do math in my head right now. But more teams didn't place a waiver claim today than did place a waiver claim. The Jets had four of them. Um, Again, they, they could have easily placed more and not been rewarded. Um, it's, it's not just only adding four players is the surprise. It's also the players that they added that's a little bit of a surprise, the positions that they added. Uh, we'll talk about it in detail more, but I would have thought you would have gotten a, a straight-up cornerback, maybe an offensive lineman or two, but it's also – it depends on what – what's available to be claimed. And it didn't look like there's a whole there was a whole lot of players available to be claimed. I know there's still a couple out there that Jets fans want. I get it and I understand, but apparently the the Jets weren't in a rush to claim those guys right away.
2: So let's talk about who they did end up claiming. First of all, Kari Vidvek who they tried to trade for Earlier in the preseason, he ended up going to Minnesota. Did not do well there, and so he ended up getting released after Minnesota gave up a fifth-round pick. Interesting guy, has a big leg, able to do kicks and punts, but I assume he's only being brought in for kicks because as far as I'm aware, Lachlan Edwards is still on the roster. The thing that struck me about VidVec here is, number one, Brant Boyer obviously likes him because the Jets wanted him last year, too. And number two... Vidvek was actually really good with the Ravens this preseason. I think he was 12 of 13. Then he went to Minnesota and was 1 of 4. Had a rough stretch there, and they got rid of him. So I guess you can hope that maybe Minnesota was just a bad situation or it was a small sample size. We saw what happened with Taylor Bertolette, where Gase was talking about how it wasn't necessarily his fault. So the way I look at this is, hope that the larger sample size with Baltimore was what you're really getting, and also, let's trust Brant Boyer, because honestly, none of us are experts on kicking, and so when it comes to stuff like this, sometimes you just have to thank your lucky stars that the team has a really good special teams coach, and put your trust in him.
1: Yeah, they wanted to trade for him beforehand, obviously, Minnesota gave up more, so... They they obviously had to think, hey, we, we liked this guy before, and we're not going to really pay attention to what happened in Minnesota. We're just going to lean on what we liked about him before. Um, obviously, Brant Boyer had to see something in him he liked. Uh, he was with the Ravens with the front office guy, Chad Alexander, was there who has a conne- connection with Joe Douglas, has been brought in. So maybe there was something there. He he uh, relayed something to him. Um but, obviously, they, they're they not phased by what happened in Minnesota, and they still like him more than Bertolette and any of the other options, including, uh, you know, that the guy Fry that got cut and uh, who got cut from the Ravens as well, and the Bills kicker who got cut who had a really strong offseason too. So, obviously, they really liked him when they were thinking about trading for him, and they, they just didn't let what happened in Minnesota bother them. Minnesota's had some tough luck with uh, some kicking situation recently, so maybe maybe teams are just going to ignore everything that happens with uh, kickers from, like, the Midwest area, Minnesota, Chicago. They're not having such good luck. So they're hoping that bring them over to the Jets and maybe it'll work and not have that uh, same type of stink on them.
2: Gotta hope so, Chris, because remember last season there was a lot of pessimism as it pertained to the kicker position. And Jason Myers ended up having a Pro Bowl season when nobody expected it. So hopefully, like I said, Brant Boyer knows what he's doing and Vidvec outpaces expectations. Also, Brexton Barrios. this is a name some people remember from Miami. He was drafted in the sixth round by the Patriots last year a punt returner and slot receiver. So at first it was kind of confusing, but then there was news that came out later that we're going to talk about in a bit that made it a lot more clear as to why the Jets did this. The rap on Barrios is that he's small. He's had trouble staying healthy. He was on injured reserve for the Patriots last year. Smart player, though. He's not a guy that's going to end up getting you penalties. He's in the spot where you need him to be when he needs to be there. So that's good because Darnold is going to need dependable guys like that. He'll come in here, and he'll compete for the fourth or fifth receiving option. Again, no experience in the NFL because all he's played is preseason. Last year, he was on IR. In the preseason, from what I understand, he looked okay returning punts, nothing special, didn't do enough to stand out, and he was nicked up. So Bill Belichick, I guess, decided that the best ability is availability and cut bait on him. We'll see if he makes the most of this second opportunity with the Jets. But it sounds like the Jets have brought him in here to be depth at slot receiver and return punts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian Costello uh, from the New York Post just uh, had tweeted that – the issue with Dortch was wasn't about returning, but he wasn't ready for any other roles. Which you know he had some moments in training camp, but there was nothing that uh, we saw in training camp or preseason that would lead you to believe that he was ready to contribute immediately in the offense. Um, and with there, I've been talking about this for weeks. The reason why I thought Deontay Burnett or might still make the roster. Um, is because they don't have they don't have anybody that they trust as a receiver right now, um, so they they want to get a return guy who can contribute in the receiving game. Now I like Braxton Barrios a lot coming out of college as a uh, as a late round pick. I thought he could be a, a decent returner and he could be a decent slot guy. Ooh, the the concern here though obviously is a receiver going to New England and being cut. If, if, if you're not making the team there, um, that's not the most promising thing in the world. So that that's a concern. Um, as far as the the returning situation goes, though, I I do tend to think sometimes as, as huge and big at, at, of a momentum swing as a big return can be, there's so f- few and far between that I kind of like the strategy of just, just make sure you got somebody that can catch the punts and either fair catch it or go down because you see so many blocks in the back or fumbles. More bad things can happen to you when you're receiving a punt than good things can happen to you. So I'm, I'm kind of a fan of just 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 catch the ball, take it, and let your offense go from there. So you don't necessarily – I'm, I'm not against the idea of not having the most electric breakout punt returner not that Dortch showed that he was that either but eh, we'll have to see the main thing with barrios is will he be able to stay will he be able to stay healthy
2: that's going to be the biggest question surrounding him as he heads into the 2019 season Dortch did have a pretty good preseason and pretty good training camp as far as returning punts as you said chris The problem becomes that that was all he could do, and the Jets were looking for guys that could fill multiple roles for the roster spot. And so that's why they went out and got Braxton Berrios, who is much more developed as a wide receiver. We'll see how this works out down the line, but for now, the Jets have
0: decided to go with a guy who is more experienced at receiver. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Also, the Jets
2: claim Bennett Jackson, who was a reserve safety slash cornerback from the Ravens. I guess this is the Chad Alexander influence because he would have seen him when he was with the Ravens. This is an interesting move because Bennett Jackson's been in the league quite a few years and he hasn't seen any actual regular season action.
1: Yeah, he, he got drafted in the sixth round of the 2014 draft by the Giants. Has not played at all in the regular season. He uh, has been spent the last five seasons on practice squads or on injured reserve, uh, so obviously the injuries are a concern, but he's also been on the practice squad. This has to be a lot of a Chad Alexander having influence, either that or at least Joe Douglas having more uh, connections, people there telling them something good about him. I was joking with you uh, before we started recording that uh, he went to Notre Dame I'm a Notre Dame fan. I've been a Notre Dame fan since Rocket Ishmael back, way back in the day, and I, I don't really remember him off the top of my head, so that's not a great sign. Now, that was you know five years ago, five seasons ago, so maybe I just forgot, but that's not the best sign. Um, he could play both corner and safety apparently, but he hasn't been able to do it uh, and stay healthy and do it in the regular season. So obviously there, there's some reason why Joe Douglas liked him uh, why, why they're going to pick him up and go with him. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, what he shows. But I've, I can't comment too much on a guy that's been in the league for five seasons and hasn't played an actual game.
2: It's a strange move for sure, Chris. But as I said, this must be a Chad Alexander thing because I don't know what other reason there would be to claim a guy who has alternated between practice squad and being hurt for the last few years. He's older now, not old as in senior citizen, but for a guy that you would take a chance on for a role like that. So he must have seen something he liked in Baltimore. And the last guy that the Jets claimed was John Franklin Myers. This is a really interesting move. I was pretty surprised that the Rams released him. I guess they just have a ton of depth, but... A lot of people remember him having that strip sack of Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. That's a heck of a thing to have on your highlights. He was a fourth-round pick by the Rams last year and was their best defensive rookie. So, again, Chris, we're going to get into this a little bit later when we talk about some of the practice squad additions. But this is a case of when a team is drafting well and building their roster well, unfortunately, sometimes there are guys they would like to keep that they end up having to let go and some of the teams that don't have the type of depth and haven't drafted as well and haven't been as good in free agency benefit in that way. I'm not going to tell you that John Franklin Myers is going to be some sort of stud, but he was a productive rookie for the Rams last year. So this is a really nice pickup for the Jets.
1: Yeah, it's it's similar to uh, I I have my uh, with my friends. We had our fantasy keeper league draft uh, a week or two ago, and one of my friends made a trade. For Le'Veon Bell, and he gave up the first-round draft pick to get him uh, at like a six-round tag or whatever. But he was trading with my other friend who has a stacked team, and everyone's complaining about. It. He's like, "Hey, listen, he can draft, I can't." So I, ah, mm. the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on—that's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code Welcome 10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code Welcome 10 at Caskers.com. Had to buy, buy the player. And this is what happened. The, the Rams can draft so they have a really deep team and they unfortunately for them had to let go of a good quality player that they normally wouldn't have wanted to get rid of the jets have really struggled in drafting and so they're the benefit of this uh, on this uh situation um obviously got new gm here now so the fans are hoping that he'll change that draft thing around But the problem with this roster is the bottom of the roster because the drafting has been so bad and it's not just McKagan it goes back to Idzik and it goes back to Tannenbaum. So they've been really bad there for a while. This is something that's going to need to change. But right now they got a, you know, he, he played last year was his rookie year. He played in all 16 games. He had uh, two sacks. One of them in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. So there's a lot to like about this move. Uh, Obviously, he's a defensive end. He's that's going to be addressing the strength of this defense. But maybe he can play some outside linebacker and, and do some help rushing passer. Uh, obviously, each guy polite gone. That's that's needed. Um, but yeah, the, the uh, Rams couldn't afford to keep him, and the Jets benefited from it.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a sixty-game sprint
2: Greg Dortch, who had originally made the 53-man roster, was released. We talked about why. The Jets clearly saw Berrios as an upgrade over Dortch because of his receiving ability, whereas Dortch they saw as somebody that could only return punts. Also, Doug Middleton was released with the intention of adding him to the practice squad if he cleared waivers. He did clear waivers, so he will be on the practice squad. Taylor Bertolette who made the initial 53-man roster as the kicker. He lasted one day. He's gone. Kari Vidwek takes his spot. And then Albert McClellan, the linebacker who neither one of us could figure out why he made the team. Well, it was a temporary stopgap because he is gone to clear space for John Franklin Myers. So that's where we sit with the active roster. As far as the practice squad, though, a lot of familiar names there. Calvin Anderson, your deputy editor, Alan Schechter's good buddy. He sticks around in the practice squad, as does Ben Braden. Kyron Brown, this makes a little more sense now because we were talking about how they were taking extra precaution with him in the final preseason game, and so when he didn't make the active roster, we were scratching our heads. They were saving him for the practice squad. Luke Falk, we talked about that. I'm not surprised. I think Gay sees him as a project that he could possibly turn into a long-term backup for Sam Darnold. Played pretty well in the preseason, and Chris, from what you were saying, he looked fairly decent in training camp, so he sticks around the practice squad. C.J. Mosley is going to have his brother around because Jamie Mosley sticks on the practice squad. Wide receiver Jeff Smith sticks around on the practice squad. And Valentine Holmes, because of the international exemption, stays on the practice squad. So that's what we've got at the moment. If anything else breaks while we were recording, we will talk about that. Let's talk about Ja'Kai Polite now, Chris, before we get into some other moves and news and notes that were made. The report came out from Pro Football Talk that Ja'Kai Polite was apparently fined up to $100,000 for infractions during the preseason and training camp. I have no idea what on earth could necessitate $100,000 worth of fines from a third-round rookie. But obviously that puts a lot in perspective because now we know why other teams didn't claim him. And now we know why the Jets were not interested in putting him on the practice squad. That said, I stand by what I said yesterday in terms of Greg Williams not putting Ja'Kai Polite in the best position to succeed. Regardless of whether or not he deserved to be released based on his behavior off the field There's still no excuse for trying to turn him into a three-down linebacker right off the bat when it was something he had never been asked to do. So I'm not absolving Craig Williams from a poor job of coaching here. I still think that there was negligence on his part in terms of how he used polite. Perhaps things would have gone better for him, at least on the field. If Greg Williams had done a better job of utilizing his talent that said obviously Chris now that we know about this stuff it makes it much more understandable why the Jets made the move that they did and to be fair we both said that if there was something that we didn't know about from a discipline perspective then that obviously would change things and it did Ja'Kai Polite we knew he was a character risk when he was drafted from Florida His coaches and teammates had nice things to say about him, and the only real dirt that we heard was about the Combine and the interviews. Perhaps there was more dirt that we didn't know about that made him somebody that a lot of teams took off of their draft board. I suspect that Philly may have been one of those teams, and as you said, Chris, Philly may have been one of the teams that had a bad interview with him, for all we know. So you put all of this together, and Ja'Kai Polite simply blew an opportunity here. He has a chance now signing with the Seattle Seahawks on their practice squad. He can learn from some really good coaches and some really good players on that defense. If he's ever going to succeed, that was the place that he needed to go. And I hope that good things happen for him. I hope that... This experience makes him realize that he can't do what he was doing, and again, we only know little bits and pieces, tardiness or whatever else, but for it to add up to $100,000 worth of fines must have been some serious things, and it must have been repeated violations. I hope that things work out well for him. He has a ton of talent. We've talked about this, Chris. He can get to the quarterback, which is something that teams value in the NFL. He'll have a second chance to try and make a career in the NFL if he can impress on the Seattle practice squad. He'll get a look either from Seattle or somebody else. But the third-round pick was a risk. We knew it because of the character concerns. I guess we didn't realize just how big the character concerns were. And so when you take a risk on a guy that's a character concern like that, this is unfortunately the downside of that risk. And so Ja'Kai Polite's career with the Jets is over before it ever really got started.
1: Yeah, now I have a whole bunch of questions about this, $100,000 <laughs> in fines. I'm going to start with, this isn't even uh, just about Polite. Just What is the fine structure here that a player could rack up $100,000 of fines in a couple of months without any one egregious act that would also get them uh, cut like why why would they if you racked up a hundred thousand dollars in fines beforehand why did they wait till to, to, uh cut pay to cut him why didn't they cut him a week or two ago also a hundred thousand dollars in fines after just being here for a couple of months that's that seems crazy especially for somebody that's not getting a, a huge you know multi-million dollar contract um but again now I'm obviously not disputing the report. I'm not saying that the report's not factually correct, but NFL teams do this. They have a way of spinning news after they release a player Of you know that people were surprised would be released. I talked about it yesterday. An uh, example I always use is when the Eagles wanted to move on for Deshaun Jackson and were worried about his quote, gang ties, unquote. Uh, now they've got a Deshaun Jackson back. I know it's a different uh, a front office structure, a different a coach, and everything. But obviously, those gang gang ties worries never came into play there. So teams do this in the NFL, and I'm I'm a hundred percent certain that there was some authority issues, some uh, character issues with them. The hundred thousand dollar thing sounds a little fishy to me, though. But again, I'm still getting people tweeting at me on Twitter arguing points I wasn't making. My original point was just like you said, I'm Greg Williams messed us up from the jump by trying to make him into 3 down linebacker at whatever the reason for cutting him at this point. I'm not knocking that. As, especially if Greg Williams r- refused to use him as a designated pass rusher then there's no point in keeping him around. So I'm not disagreeing with the uh, the notion of cutting him. I'm just saying that Greg Williams did not do his job of putting him in the best position to succeed. And those- That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm saying. People are still arguing with me on other points. But it'll be nice to see what happens. Obviously, he'll be with Pete Carroll in Seattle, probably have a little more leeway on some things. I, I think Pete Carroll's probably not gonna be as uh, fine quick to find uh, there he is a notorious players coach lets players do go to the beat of their own drum a little bit more <clears throat> so maybe he can go there develop and uh, and find success there we'll have to wait and see but again I'm not knocking the decision to cut him at this point I get it uh, but it's still, I will never understand why Greg Williams decided to try to make him with a three-down linebacker right off the jump. That was my entire point, and I, it, it's, it's not something that can make be made to make sense to me.
0: Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
3: With your host Scott Mason,
0: the two
2: positions are not mutually exclusive. You can understand why the Jets cut Polite while still not believing that Greg Williams did the proper job of putting Jakai Polite in the best position to succeed. We all know that if he was going to be good on the field, it was going to be as a pass rush specialist only, at least to start with. They could try to develop him over time into something else, but the only way that he was going to be an instant impact player was to let him just go at the passer. So, again, totally understand why the Jets got rid of him, if all that stuff is true with the $100,000 in fines and the fact that he was constantly violating team rules but that still doesn't excuse Greg Williams from doing what he did. One name, by the way, Chris, that we totally forgot to mention, and I had referenced it before and we talked about it the last two days, Josh Adams from the Eagles is going to be on the Jets' practice squad, so obviously Joe Douglas did like him. I like this move, but I think it's really crazy because it shows you how running backs – are typically not super valued in the NFL aside from a handful because Josh Adams was the leading rusher for a second-round playoff team in Philadelphia last year, and now he's going to be on somebody's practice squad. I know that the Eagles have a very crowded running back room, but you would think that maybe somebody would have traded a late-round pick for him or something. It's really strange that he goes from being leading rusher on a second-round playoff team to now on the Jets' practice squad.
1: Yeah, and th- he's another Notre Dame, ah, Notre Dame guy. I did not forget about him, though. I am very familiar with hi- him. I loved him coming out of college. Uh, it was he was definitely a tough guy to evaluate, though, because that Notre Dame offensive line was absolutely bulldozing pretty much everybody they put in front of him, So he was running through giant holes there. Uh, but he had he found some success last year with the Eagles. Uh, you know, not the uh, over the full season, but in his time, they that running back situation last year with the Eagles was a mess. They were getting guys in and out, but he found some success there. Um, and like we were talking about yesterday, he he's a big body guy. He brings something that the rest of the these guys don't really bring. So he can uh, they can probably think that you know maybe we they could have him do. Uh, The more of the grunt work, the heavy work, uh, the goal line short yardage stuff and not not because Le'Veon Bell can do that. We know that. But they want to try to uh, limit his touches in areas like that to keep him fresh and healthy later for later on in the season. So maybe they want him to do a lot of that work. Uh, It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, now his name's not on the list that the Jets officially announced. But Field Yates is the one that announced it, so I, I'm going to trust that he's, he got it right. But it'll be interesting to see how long he stays on the practice squad. What happens? Is it another position? Someone's going to get released, or does Blau Powell eventually get released? We'll, we'll have to wait and see there.
2: Some other news and notes from around the league, Chris. The Bears have signed Cody Whitehair to a five-year, $52.5 million extension with $27.5 million in guarantees. I hate to rub salt on the wound here, but let's remember that Deion Jones, a linebacker for the Falcons, also just got a big extension. What do those two have in common? They were both drafted in 2016. The Jets could have had them both. Instead, they opted for Darren Lee and Christian Hackenberg. Moral of the story is, thank God the guy who made those decisions is not here anymore.
1: Yeah, there's Jets Twitter is filled with this right now. Also pointing out, uh, I believe it was... Um, right after Darius Stewart got drafted, it was – oh, was was it Chris Godwin there? Or there was also a Kenny Galladay uh, right after somebody went. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going around, which, you know, it can be a little – sometimes, especially when you're just talking about one or two players, it's like, all right, whatever. But when you can do this consistently, as we can do this with McCagnan draft picks, it does mean something. Uh, all these misses he's had, there, there's a reason why he got fired, even if he should have been fired sooner than he was. But the the hope that Jets fans are leaning on and rooting for right now is obviously that it, who cares because they got the guy now and you hope that Joe Douglas isn't making this these same sort of mistakes in the next couple of years. Chris,
2: you said it well. If this was an anomaly, that's one thing, but it was the norm, and that's not acceptable. So thankfully – Don't have to deal with that anymore, and let's hope that Joe Douglas does a better job going forward. A couple of other things the Saints have traded Vince Beagle to the Dolphins for Kiko Alonso. There were some people that were waiting for Alonso to be released and hoping that the Jets would get him. I don't think he has anywhere near as much left in the tank as some people do, but now he's off the table. He goes to New Orleans. Shady McCoy is the big news of the day, Chris. He reunites with Andy Reid in Kansas City, a one year deal for $4 million. It's a weird move because Kansas City's already got plenty of people. And as we talked about yesterday, Shady McCoy is 31 and on the downside of his career. But if anybody would know what to do with LaShawn McCoy right now, it would be his old coach, Andy Reid.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, one of those things you, oh, uh, you uh, Shady gets released. Everyone was thinking maybe the Texans, maybe uh, the Chargers. Oh, the Chiefs. What? Oh, yeah. Andy Reid. OK, that makes all the sense in the world. I do feel bad for any fantasy football fans, uh, players out there who either spend a high draft pick on Damian Williams or scooped up Darwin Thompson thinking that they're going to get a lot out of them now because it looks like there's going to be a three, three running back committee there and that's no good for any of them. Uh, all their va- fantasy values took a hit. And let's be honest, uh, there's plenty of people that care about that way more than anything that's happened on the Chiefs anyway.
0: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason.
2: This is interesting, Chris. Some more details from the Jadavian Clowney trade. Houston is paying the $7 million signing bonus, so Seattle is getting Clowney for $8 million this year. That is mind-boggling. Also, as part of the trade, Seattle had to promise to not tag Jadavian Clowney after the season. Not a big surprise there, but when you see that Seattle gave up a third-round pick and is only paying $8 million to and Clowney, it just shows you two things. Number one, again, clearly the Texans had zero leverage. And number two, this is an absolute can't-lose deal for the Seattle Seahawks because they get Clowney on a one-year $8 million deal, and then they either decide to sign him to a long-term contract, or he leaves and they get the third-round pick back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there, here's, here's an idea make sure your football team has a general manager.
2: <laughs>
1: because if your football team doesn't have a general manager, then the head coach is essentially the general manager, and he's going to make moves and trades without having any idea about salary cap ramifications, how they don't have somebody in the building that could have said, hey, we need to worry about this. And also another thing that they messed up on is they didn't secure the uh, extension for Laramie Tunsil before the trade, which they could have worked that out before the trade. Now Tunsil's got all types of uh, leverage that uh, if they had somebody in that organization that could have said, hey, let's do this first, then they probably could have saved themselves a lot of money. Um, Yeah, make sure you have a GM because a a GM is supposed to know these things. A head coach, not so much. And Bill O'Brien is – you know, kind of chasing his own tail right now. And they got a left tackle to protect Deshaun Watson. That's great. But there's a lot of things about this this whole situation that could have been worked out a lot better, more favorably for the Texans.
2: Our old friend Geno Smith, released by the Seattle Seahawks, He actually had a really nice preseason, that fourth preseason game. He looked like that Geno Smith we saw against the Dolphins that time when Eric Decker had like 300 yards receiving, and Geno had a perfect quarterback rating. He wasn't released because of anything he did. The Seahawks have just decided that they're not going to carry a backup quarterback. I guess they'll pull somebody in off the street if something happens to Russell Wilson. It's a move that's a little too brave for my taste, Chris, but I get it. I will say this, though. It was funny because I talked to some people out in the Northwest who were asking me about Geno Smith, and I told them – the fourth preseason game is something You would see from Geno Smith once in a while Because when he was firing on all cylinders You could see the talent there He would make some just tremendous Throws he threw a perfect dime 35 yard touchdown in that fourth preseason game Reminded me of a touchdown Pass that he threw to San Antonio Holmes against the Bills in his rookie season Where he couldn't have walked the ball over To him better just a perfect strike The problem with Geno obviously Is that he's a one read quarterback So when they lock down his first read he has A lot of trouble but when he gets Rolling and he's hot and he's finding his first Read he can be very productive So I think there's a decent chance That he'll catch on somewhere else as a backup Quarterback because as much as Jets fans don't exactly remember him Fondly you could do a lot worse on your Depth chart than having Geno Smith As the first man off the bench if your quarterback Gets hurt
1: yeah Now being the backup to Russell Wilson uh, Is good thing in some ways Bad things in other ways that Offensive line is, is better than it has been, but they're, they're a run-heavy offense. But listen, Geno Smith has all the physical tools to be a, a great quarterback, not just a good quarterback. It's like you just said, he's been a one-read quarterback. He came out of West Virginia where they ran that air raid offense that didn't really have much of a playbook, really, to speak. It was just essentially the same handful of plays flipped and run over and over again. And then he was thrown in and had to learn marty morningwigs west coast offense which was a, a bit much for him to learn um and so it, it was the mental side of things which when you're doing that you have to figure all this stuff out in a snap in an instant as it's unfolding that can be really tough but he does have the physical tools uh so if he can just iron out everything else um work out the kinks there uh, on the mental side of it and learn uh, about reading defenses and moving on to other reads, then I think that he could be a, uh, you know, a, a good backup and he could help uh team win some games in a pinch and uh, a couple games here and there. But we'll have to wait and see, how, of course, how it plays out for him. But uh, you could do a lot worse than Geno Smith as your backup quarterback, that's for sure.
2: Mike Mayock, as far as I'm concerned, hit the nail on the head when he was talking about Geno Smith after he was picked in 2013 and he was going through his analysis – of Geno on NFL Network. He said, there are times you turn on the tape and Geno Smith looked like the best player in the country, and there were other times where he looked like an undraftable player. As Dan Hansis from the Around the NFL podcast likes to say, it was the Geno coaster here in New York. But still, the good that he brings is enough to make him a decent backup option. So we'll see if he catches on somewhere else. By the way, I mentioned Mike Mayock, and I mentioned backup quarterbacks. The Raiders claimed Deshaun <laughs> Kaiser on waivers because, of course, they did. John Gruden is going to be John Gruden.
1: Oh yeah, and uh, last I checked, they still had uh, Mike Glennon and Na- and uh, Nathan the Peterman on the roster as well. So right now they're carrying four quarterbacks, um, which is John Gruden, John Grudening.
2: that's what he does i keep telling people the thing that's interesting about john gruden is that he's this supposed quarterback guru but he's drafted and signed so many quarterbacks over the years please tell me the quarterback that he developed and people will talk about rich gannon but rich gannon was a veteran but i'm talking about guys that he built from scratch there weren't any in tampa he drafted like a hundred thousand quarterbacks and none of them ended up being good Tory Smith gets released by the Panthers. He's getting up there in age. I think this might be the end of the line for him. Had a pretty solid career, though, so nothing to be ashamed of if this is where it ends for him. A couple of big names that we talked about yesterday, Chris, that have gone unclaimed. Two guys that were first-round picks in the 2016 draft at wide receiver, Josh Doxson and also Laquan Treadwell, and then Noah Spence, who was a second-rounder picked by the Bucks thought that he might be somebody they would look at as an outside linebacker. But as it turns out, nobody as of this recording has signed any of those three guys. They went unclaimed, so we'll see what happens. But really fascinating turn of events for those guys because a couple of years ago, there was a lot of hope surrounding them, and now they're all unemployed. Laquan Treadwell, to me, is the weakest of the three because – Doxon you saw some flashes here and there Spence had a really nice rookie season Laquan Treadwell basically did nothing I liked him as a receiver in college The problem is though he's not exceptionally big He's not exceptionally fast In fact, I would say he's below average speed Especially for a guy who got picked as high as he did He doesn't have any particular skill set That is above average at this point Whatever it is he had in 2016 has slowed greatly And I would argue that he was kind of overhyped In the first place in 2016 Certainly at no point was he ever worthy Of a spot on your fantasy roster And If you're going to be doing fantasy football again this year You want to sign up with the great people over at the draft app and draft.com where you can get a free crack at their $3.5 million best ball championship if you use the promo code PLAYLIKE, that's PLAYLIKE, P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E, when you make your first deposit as if that wasn't enough of an incentive it's very easy to play simple snake draft don't have to worry about anything like salary caps or auctions plus you don't have to spend a ton of time maintaining the roster you do the draft and then they will take care of the roster maintenance for you they'll make sure that your best players are in every single week so don't miss out on this opportunity to potentially win 3.5 million dollars without putting in much effort and having a lot of fun in the process Draft app, draft.com, promo code PLAYLIKE. But Chris, when it comes to Treadwell, this is a very strange career arc for a guy who was picked only a few years ago in the first round. I wonder if he catches on anywhere at this point or if we're talking about him getting a shot at the XFL in 2020 because, like I said, with Doxon, you could at least say there were flashes. Maybe somebody takes a shot. With Spence, he had that solid rookie year and he's an edge rusher, so maybe somebody... Takes a look under the hood there, but I don't know if Laquan Treadwell is ever going to get a real shot in the NFL again.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. know I love Treadwell in college at Ole Miss, and then he had that really uh, gruesome knee injury, mm-hmm. and then when he returned, he was he, he like you said, he wasn't a speed guy, he, fast even before the injury. But when he came back from that injury, he just wasn't quite the same. And then I still was like, all right, well, maybe he'll, he's still kind of rehabbing needs to come back and he'll be able to put it together. But he just has not been able to, uh, I do think that you can get something out of Josh Doxson. I, I definitely think that's a possibility. Uh, I think you can, he can help NFL teams. I don't see that with Treadwell, uh, with Noah Spence, I would absolutely give that a look, but yeah, get back to the Jets only have five receivers right now. And, uh, and Braxton Berrios and Josh Bellamy are two of them and they're really just special teams players at best so uh you I can't imagine that they're only going that uh, that they're going to go into the season with just those five guys you got to think that there's still a move to come and uh maybe uh, you know Josh Dodson was a high draft pick if they claimed them they would have had to claim him at that uh salary so maybe teams are thinking hey let's let him go and then try to sign him at a much cheaper salary. So maybe that's what's going on here. Uh, not just uh, in relation to the Jets. Maybe other teams are trying to do that. But again, only five receivers, and uh, the, and Josh Bellamy and Braxton Barrios are two of them. So I got to think that the Jets are aren't done and they're still going to look to try to add a receiver before this season actually officially kicks off.
2: Interesting note, by the way, Chris Doxson and Treadwell were picked in the first round in 2016. There was another receiver who fell a little bit to the 47th overall pick in the second round. That receiver was Michael Thomas, who is now the highest-paid receiver in football and one of the five best receivers in the sport. Just goes to show you that, as you said, Chris, just because somebody has a job in the NFL doesn't necessarily mean that they're infallible and can't be questioned because... As much as Rick Spielman is a pretty good general manager overall, I'm sure if he had the opportunity to do it again, he would take Michael Thomas over Laquan Treadwell. As far as the Redskins go, that's a whole other discussion because they're a dumpster fire of epic proportions anyway, and they are further proof of your theory that the NFL is not always a meritocracy. Bruce Allen's certainly proof of that. So just because a guy gets picked high doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be better than a guy who fell a little bit and if you don't believe us, go ahead and ask the New Orleans Saints, because I'm pretty sure they're very happy with Michael Thomas.
1: Yeah, they're they're definitely happy with Michael Thomas. Uh, that also goes to show you, though, that you know this is why you can't just brush off missing on second and third round draft picks every year, mm-hmm. um, because you're going to be able to find you know gems like Michael Thomas in there. This is what you need to hit to build those rosters. Uh, you can't live a, a alone just off of first-round first, uh, first round picks, especially f- uh, for top ten picks. You need to be able to hit in the second and third round. Uh, it, going with Treadwell and Dotson over Michael Thomas will co- cost you your job in most situations. So, um, yeah, that, that's generally how that plays out. But, yeah, you, you need to hit on those, and you need to hit on occasional later-round picks as well.
2: And that, Chris, will wrap things up for all this roster mania. I'm sure that there are going to be little bits and pieces that are tinkered with from here on out, but this is the bulk of what you're going to be looking at heading into the season as far as the 53-man roster is concerned. This entire process, though, Chris, final thought, shows you also how weak parts of that roster were with the Jets because the guys that they ended up releasing, only one guy got claimed, so... Whereas other teams, like the Colts, were trading guys for late-round picks or having some of their guys claimed, the Jets still have a lot of work to do in the middle class in the bottom end of that roster, and hopefully some of the guys that they picked up during this waiver process help a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like we've been saying, he Joe Douglas is clean, cleaning up McKagan's mess. Uh, you know, the Mac, McKagan got. Some players at the top of the roster, that'll help. And he did a, a decent job this offseason bringing in uh, C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell. So they've got playmakers. They've got good players at the top of the roster, but it's the bottom of the roster that's this problem. There there was no chance that Joe Douglas was ever going to be able to clean up that entire mess uh, before this season started and before it ends. So he's going to have to really, really figure it out during the offseason next year. Free agency in the draft and year after. But again, like I said earlier, you just got to hope he doesn't continue this trend because it's, it wasn't just the problem. It was Idzik before him, it was Tannenbaum before him. So the, you cannot build. Uh, and I know there's a lot of fans out there just let let it go with McCagney, let it go. It, he's gone. And what t- difference doesn't matter? The What it matters is that all that is the difference uh, between the Jets. Being a, a team that can contend for a playoff spot, but not likely to make it this year, to a team that could be actual contenders in the playoffs. If they had just, if McCann had just been in even average drafter, they could be talking about a team that could contend in the playoffs this year instead of possibly contend for a playoff spot, which they probably won't actually get.
2: Chris, you have plenty of material regarding what went down. Over the last couple of days as far as the shaping of the roster over at JetsInsider.com. So what can people expect to see when they head over there?
1: Yeah, right now I got the, the tracker articles up um, with the the everybody that's made the roster listed by position there. Um, I got the practice squad players all listed. Keep in mind, there's seven players currently on the practice squad uh, with Valentine Holmes being one of them, they can add four more. Uh, like I said there's they only have five cornerbacks or yeah five cornerbacks, five receivers and only three middle linebackers now. so I don't think they're done by any means. I think they're still gonna end up adding a player or two. So I'm gonna wait till tomorrow or or Tuesday but probably tomorrow to really uh, do the full assessment on this roster and break down all the holes in it, the strengths and weaknesses on this roster. I'll put that up most likely tomorrow, but that's what I'll be doing the next couple of days is really focusing on that. Um, I'll try to look into a little bit more about you know Bennett Jackson and see what, what I can find out about him, and then we'll start turning our attention to the Buffalo Bills.
2: Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter, at CNimbly. And at Jets Insider. Follow his deputy editor, Alan Schechter, who, by the way, is ecstatic right now because his man, Calvin Anderson, is on the practice squad. He's at Alan underscore SCHECHTER. Read Chris's very big deal work over at jetsinsider.com. And for the latest and greatest, the New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets.com.